Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, we come to you in the place of prayer as we go into the word. We ask, Father, for brevity, insight, wisdom, and understanding. And as we stand at this pivotal time of history, we pray that your Holy Spirit, in combination with your word, ensures that we are exactly who you want us to be, where you want us to be, and how you want us to be as we walk into the new. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we go into the word today, we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want to come today and I would love you to be encouraged. The first thing I would like you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, even though where you are going is unfamiliar, it is not unfamiliar to the God you serve. And so we're going to be looking at the master key of preparation and the fact that God not only wants you prepared, but he has prepared you for what is about to come. And so let's dive right in as we go into the word today. And the first thing I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, is this. God wants you prepared. But not only does he want you prepared, he has already prepared you for what is about to come. So I'm going to run through how God prepares you really quickly. I'm not going to go in, in great depth, but I want you to be reassured that God has prepared you. He is with you and he has been with you. It has been an 18 months that we will never forget. We acknowledge that. But God has been with you all the time. And so how does God prepare us? And this is key. So I'll just run through the ways. First, God prepares us by his word. One of the words that we've held on to in Jesus' house, you should be holding on to sincerely, ladies and gentlemen, is Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19. And how does God prepare us through the word? What he does, ladies and gentlemen, is he gives us a picture of tomorrow that we can hold on to. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 presents this very clearly. He says that do not remember the former things, but I'm going to do a new thing. It will spring forth and I will make sure you know it. And so ladies and gentlemen, the number one way that God prepares us is through his word. Number two, God prepares us by circumstances. The example you could use is the circumstances of Ruth. Ruth comes into a family and she runs into multiple tragedies. But in the process of that experience, God prepares her for what is coming next. And for many of us, ladies and gentlemen, we are standing at a point in history where we are confronted with a new that we never planned for. But I want you to be reassured that God has prepared you. He has prepared you through what you are doing, as, you, as he did with Ruth, that when crunch time came, she had a relationship with God that would change her life. Ladies and gentlemen, God prepares you by the people that God sends into your life. And I want you to focus on one person this morning. I will focus on Joshua chapter 1, reading from verse 1. The Bible says to Joshua, he's, the Bible says very clearly that God speaks to Joshua and then God defines who he is. He says, God speaks to Joshua, Moses' minister. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize that God will, will and has prepared you by the people that God, he has sent into your life. 
Now, over the last 12 months, and in the history of Jesus' house, we have never had the privilege of hearing Pastor Agu every single Sunday. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching me now, you can be reassured that God has set up the circumstances so that you are prepared. God will prepare you through prayer. Not only you praying where you are speaking to the Lord in relationship, but the Bible says when God wanted to prepare Peter, the Lord prayed for him. And he said, I can see what's going ahead of you. I can see what's coming and I have prayed for you so that your faith fails not. So we realize Hebrews 7.25 says Jesus is still doing that till today. So you can hold on to it. And hold on to it with all sincerity that God has prepared you. The Lord will prepare you through knowledge. Daniel's story is quite interesting. Daniel discovers that the children of Israel had been in Babylon for the number of years that God said, and then a new season will come. And the Bible says that Daniel discovers it by reading the books. You find the story in Daniel 9, reading from verses 1 to 3. It's not our text, so I will not necessarily turn there. But you realize Daniel discovers that this is what God wants to do. He goes into the place of prayer. And that place of prayer becomes famous because things begin to change around the people of Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, God will prepare you through what happens to others. Because relationships are so important, what happens in the lives of others will prepare you. Our example here would be Abraham. We find that Abraham, when he comes in contact with Abimelech, just before his miracle turns, God does for Abimelech through him what he wants God to do for him, causing the miracle that he had always wanted to become a reality in his life. And I want to say this even before I begin, as we begin, ladies and gentlemen, that God has been through what you have seen, through the people that you have related to, through the things he has done in the lives of others, he is preparing the foundation to do miracles in your life. And I hope that you hold on to that. Ladies and gentlemen, God will cause you to prepare others and in the process he will prepare you. Joseph is a case in point. We realize that God prepares Joseph unbeknownst to Joseph. And ladies and gentlemen, your kindness and your mercy, your grace, your strength, your, your ability to stand with others who have gone through a tough time in the last 18 months, I can say categorically, the Lord has been preparing you for the new he's about to bring into your life. Just like Joseph, what he did for others, God caused to happen to him and he was then prepared for a season that really changed history. And ladies and gentlemen, the last thing that we want to, I want you to realize in this short point is this, that God will prepare you by the desires he has placed within your heart. Our example is Bezalel, but we're going to talk about him a little bit more later, so I will move on. But God has placed hopes, dreams, desires, and aspirations in your heart. The dreams I want that he has placed there are the dreams that are shaping your future. And I want you to realize the new might be unfamiliar. It may be something that no one has seen. It may be a promise that you think has gone past. It may be something that in all sincerity, anyone around you may not realize is coming. But hear me well. 
the desires of the Lord that he has placed within your heart. As Jesus said in Mark 11 verse 24, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The Lord prepares you through his desires. So ladies and gentlemen, we can say categorically, looking at all those examples, that God is a God that prepares. So as you watch me this morning, as you sit here and listen, wherever you may be listening to this, I can assure you, you are prepared for a new that God is about to bring into your life. So go forward without fear or, or any kind of apprehension. And so let's go on, ladies and gentlemen. The second thing I want you to realize is this. Miracles happen to the prepared. I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, and, I, and we will use the example of Joshua. This is what the Lord says to Joshua from Joshua 1, reading from verses 2 to 5. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise, take his place, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land which I am giving to them, the Israelites, every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given to you, as I promised Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, Canaan, and to the great Mediterranean Sea on the west shall be your territory. Verse 5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Now let's explain that. Let's understand miracles happen to people that are prepared. And God had prepared Joshua for what he was about to asking him to uh, uh, what he was asking him to do. And this is something I want you to hold in mind. The miraculous is necessary for the new to show up in your life. And the miraculous is God's prerogative. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand, please hold on to this as you go into the new. It is this. Miracles happen to the prepared. And the miraculous is something that God wants to do to make sure the new arrives. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says that God will make ways in the wilderness and he will cause rivers to flow in the desert. There is a necessity for the miraculous for the new to come. And ladies and gentlemen, that means God in his infinite mercy and his infinite ability is going to make the miraculous happen on your behalf. He said that to Joshua. He said, listen, this part of the journey is settled. The miraculous, the necessity of the miraculous, I have already settled, so don't be afraid to go forward. And ladies and gentlemen, I must be speaking to someone that this morning as you sit here, as you go forward, the miraculous is already waiting for you. So do not be afraid to take that step. Three things I want to look at really quickly, and it's this. When we're looking at preparation, I would, ask, I would like you to understand that God wants you to prepare you. There's an element that we have to take responsibility for, and it's in three areas. And so the three areas that God wants you to prepare or you to work on as he brings the new into place. The first one is your heart. Now, when we look at that, if you look at the instructions given to Joshua, they're actually quite famous. Preparing your heart is very important because your heart has one primary function, and that is to believe. And ladies and gentlemen, as we have looked at for the last 18 months, as we go into the promises 
promises become functional when you believe them. So let's look at the instructions God gives to Joshua. And this will bring home the fact that God wants to prepare your heart. And the first thing he says is Joshua chapter 1. I'll read from verse 7 and I'll stop at verse 9. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. The Bible says, Only you be strong and very courageous, that you may do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Turn not from, the, from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Then he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, so that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Verse 9 is quite emphatic. And the Lord says, Have not I commanded you, be strong, vigorous, and very courageous, be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Pause for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say it this way. Belief and faith are products of study and meditation in the Word. How does God want you to prepare your heart? Please understand, the state of your heart is within your control. As you place the Word of God in your heart, as you spend time, as the Bible says, in study and meditation, God will cause one thing to happen. You will come to believe. The Bible calls that faith. That is the foundation for what God wants to do. But let me make it simpler. Sometimes a story really helps. And if you want a story, ladies and gentlemen, the story found in Mark 5, reading from verses 24 to 34, but I won't turn there. It's this, the lady with the issue of blood. She was defined by her problem, but the Bible says something. As she was coming to find Jesus, she said in her heart, time and time and time again that once I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I, once I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And she said it and said it and said it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, prepared her heart that when her moment came out of a crowd, she was the only one that got a miracle. Preparing your heart is well within your reach and I want you to hold on to it. Hold on to the Word of God. And this is what I want you to remember. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. And meditate is not a big word. It is to repeat it until a picture shows up. And then I want you to confess the Word of God. And then, ladies and gentlemen, the Word of God will cause you to take an action that will change your future. This is what it means to prepare your heart. And God says that part you have to play a part in. The second area that you have to play a part in is this. God wants to prepare your mind. God wants to prepare the way you think. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I want you to please hear me well. The Bible is replete with examples that say your mind can be placed into the hands of God and no matter what, it will be in good shape. And so the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, reading from verses 1 to 2, that the transformation of your circumstances will come with the transformation of your thinking. Changing the way you think will require two things, effort and new information. What information are we talking about? The only thing you can use to restore what God has given you are the methods and the tools that he has used. 
That means as you place the word of God in your mind, as you begin to reshape the way you see the world, God will begin to cause your mind to line up to the way he wants it. And then your circumstances will follow. But then again, a story comes to mind to drive this home. Looking back, when God was bringing the new into the life of Gideon, Gideon has now had an epiphany with God. He's moving into his world and he's confronted with a task. He has to go up against an army that he probably cannot beat. And he has, he makes a call and 52,000 people show up. That would make anybody confident. But the Bible is very, is very, it's very, the story is interesting because the Bible demonstrates how much the way you think matters. The first thing that God says is, there are too many of them. If I give you the victory, they will think they got it on their own. Therefore, what does God do? He says, tell anybody who's afraid to go home. And the Bible says 22,000 left, leaving Gideon, with 10,000. So 32,000 came, 22,000 said, you know what, we're fearful. That's the state of the heart. And, they, and the Lord says, that's great. Now he had 10,000. Gideon was still panicking. And the Lord said, 10,000 is still too many. He said, I'm going to work out what they are thinking. And he said, take them all to water. And he said, the ones that put their face into the water, put on one side. The ones who keep their face out of the water and put the water to their mouth with their hands, put on the other side. 9,700 people saw the water. And remember, they had marched a long way. They were up against an enemy they probably could not beat on their own. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in the front of water and they dig their face into it. The Lord says, put those guys on the one side. On the other side, the ones who kept their eyes on the prize using their hands to put the water to their mouth were only 300. And the Lord said, those 300 I will work with. Why? For a very simple reason. The 300 that lapped had in their mindset worked out that not only will we win, but the reason that God brought us here is more important than anything else. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize as you go into the new, the way you think, the way you see God, the way you picture yourself, because your mind has three functions. It pictures tomorrow. We call that an imagination. It pictures yesterday. We call that a memory. And it pictures the invisible. We call that an ability to perceive or perception. And the pictures that you paint in those areas are the ones that will determine your life. The ones who lapped with their hands, ladies and gentlemen, saw themselves as victors, but they also realized that that which is most important is what God has said. And God says, I can work with those ones. Changing the way you think is critical. Remember, the pictures that form the way you think are under your control. Why? You have the ability to take the word of God trust and a relationship with God to shape the pictures of the way you see tomorrow and the way you see today. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants you to be part of the process of preparing your mind. Keep that in mind as we go forward. And so the last area is actually quite simple. The Lord wants you to be part of the process of preparing you by preparing your will. 
What does that mean? It's actually quite simple. It means to decide beforehand that God, what you want to happen, is more important than what I want to happen. And that, ladies and gentlemen, we realize that we see that in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he didn't make up his mind in the Garden of Gethsemane. He made up his mind on the streets of Israel. For we find Jesus speaking in John chapter 10, reading from verses 17 to 18, that this is what I'm going to do. God has given me this commandment. I can lay my life down and I can pick it back up. And so I want you to realize a will that is submitted to the Lord is a decision that is taken before the event. Ladies and gentlemen, how do we do this? We focus on our relationship with God through his word, focusing on his promises, looking at what he has done for others, looking at what he has done in his word, remembering that God is faithful and if he was faithful yesterday he will be faithful tomorrow so decide now that even when crunch time comes I'm going to go with what God wants and the Bible says the Lord says if your heart your soul and your mind are prepared for what comes next then what comes next will change your life but let's keep going we're almost there I want to pause for a moment and I want to speak for just a few minutes. I have a bias and I will, I, that, my, that bias is open. And I want to speak to young people. And, and the reason I, I want to speak to young people is this. Please hold on and please write this down. Keep this in mind. God wants to prepare you for your future. Now, let me put it there. Three things I want you to remember. Number one, it's this. Preparation is always a function of trust. If I trust the person asking me to be prepared, then I will prepare. If I don't trust the person and they ask me to prepare, I will not prepare. And so what I want you to realize is God can be trusted. And if God tells you to prepare for a tomorrow that he has designed, trust him. Be brave enough to give up today so that when tomorrow comes, you are well prepared for what he needs. Stepping into the new and keep this in mind. Preparation is always a choice. That means you're going to have to make a decision to prepare yourself for tomorrow. And I can give you an example. And I, I, the, the good thing is you're pretty much at home unless you're sitting next to your parents. If you do do this discreetly. But if you're sitting there and you are a young person, that means if you're anything below 50, that's absolutely fine. I want you to do something. If you have imagined a future that is different from your past and you have made said this phrase that when i grow up or when i have the means that which happened to my children will never happen to me then ladies and gentlemen you are making a choice about a future that doesn't yet exist and that is something i want you to hold on to young people hear me well and i say this with all due respect you have to make the choice now to make tomorrow happen and that, keep that in mind. So I want to summarize this, and I'll summarize it like this. The greatest act of faith a young person can take is to prepare for a future that is currently invisible. Preparation is always in private. God will cause your preparation to be acknowledged in public. I'll go on. There are four things that we need to prepare for as we begin to bring this to a close. And the first one is this, ladies and gentlemen. Prepare for God 
to do what you are asking him to do. You may say, but that's pretty obvious. Not necessarily. I want you to keep in mind that the, when I say prepare for God to do it, that means, and I'll use a, a person in the Bible, and that's Hannah. Even before it showed up, the Bible says when Eli had that famous conversation with her in 1 Samuel, and he said, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you peace. The Bible says something happened to her. The Bible says her countenance changed. Nothing had happened on the outside. She was still the same, same clothes, same situation. She was still expecting God to do the same things, but something happened on the inside. Ladies and gentlemen, deciding that, hear me well, preparing for God to do it is an internal change that will govern your external circumstances. History bears her out. The Bible says that by the time she gets home, God remembers her as God is going to remember many of you. And I want you to realize this is something. What am I asking you to do? Prepare for God to do it. That means on the internal, on the inside, I want you to set your mind that God will do what he promises, he, he has promised to do for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the second thing I want you to realize, or I want you to prepare for, or God needs us to prepare for, is this. Prepare for God not to do what you ask. You may say, well, pastor, you're contradicting yourself. No. Pause for a moment. There are three Hebrew boys in history. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, and I need you to please keep this in mind. Preparing for God not to do what you ask is where you step into a place of relationship where you realize my circumstances do not determine the faithfulness of my God. The story is well told. Nebuchadnezzar flies into a rage when they say they will not bow to his image. He throws them into a furnace. And he says, that, you know what? Throw everybody else that threw them in. And he says, what do you mean you will not bow to me? But they made a very clear statement before he did that. They said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Our God will deliver us. That we accept. But if he chooses not to, they said, we will not bow to the image that you set up. Meaning our relationship with God goes way beyond our circumstances and it is not defined by anything you can give us. And he says, I'm going to prove it. He throws them into the fire. And ladies and gentlemen, it must have been a comical situation. He walks up to the, th to the furnace and he says, how many did you throw in? They said three. And he begins to count. One, two, three, four. Four, three, two, one. Two, one, three, four. He said, wait a minute, I only threw in three and now I can see four. His description is legendary. He says, and the fourth one is like unto the Son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, when you stand upon your relationship with God, irrespective of the circumstances, let me say this loud. God will show up on the other side of your nightmare. And this is what God wants you to prepare to do. He wants you to that, in, oh, what's coming? Some things will work as expected. Some things will go a way that you do not expect, but God will remain constant in them and he will bring you to a future that he cannot tell you about, but that he has himself has prepared for. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking to someone and I know my job is done. The third thing God says he wants you to prepare for is life after the miracle. And please keep this in mind. This requires training, and I, I could use many examples, but one of them is resources. Preparation is critical. 
I'm sure many of us have prayed for copious amounts of finances and wealth or copious amounts or copious numbers of children or we've prayed for things like cars, jobs and whatever it may be. But keep in mind, prepare for those things to arrive because those things come with pressures of their own. And in the midst of it, please keep this in mind. Notice this is how God wants us to walk into the new in that God, you matter beyond anything else that comes around us. And ladies and gentlemen, what happened is quite interesting because Joshua is faced with that situation. All of a sudden, he's, he's presented with a future that he has been prepared for. His dreams, his hopes, and his aspirations become a reality. What does he do? We find in Joshua chapter 1, reading from verses 10 to 15, he leans on his training. And he begins to operate in the things that God has invested in him before the event. And ladies and gentlemen, like I said, God has already prepared you. He leans onto his military training and he begins to issue commands after quite a remarkable pep talk from the Lord. And the Bible says that the things that he says begin to work out and the new that he's walking into becomes successful. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants you to prepare for life after your miracle. The last thing I want to talk about that God wants to prepare for you, the, uh, that is the four key things he wants us to prepare for, is this. Prepare your gift for use. And why did I say prepare your gift for use? Because ladies and gentlemen, the new is not about you or I. The new is all about God. We are following the almighty God who has a pre-prepared plan for what is about to happen. Prepare your gift for use. Prepare the things, the passions, the dreams, the hopes, and the aspirations that God has placed into your life for use. Why? Because the time that they are going to be needed is coming. I said we will speak about Bezalel again. You find Bezalel in Exodus 31, reading from verses 1 to 11. Also in Exodus 36, reading from verses 1 to 3. And I'll just mention what happens. Moses comes down from the mountain. And he comes with a task that no one has ever been given. But that task gives expression to the gift, skills, and training that Bezalel has gone through. And so let me say this carefully. Someone out there, your season of frustration is about to come to an end because God has a task for you that your skills, your abilities, and your training, which he had planned for, are now going to find expression. Prepare before the event. Do it while no one is noticing. And ladies and gentlemen, let us bring today to a close. Please write this down. <laughs> Time and chance will favor the prepared. Time and chance. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9, verses 10 to 11, in verse 11 it says the, that it's actually quite clear. It says, riches are not to men of skill, neither honor. The Bible says that time and chance happens to everyone. The race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong, neither are riches to men of wisdom or to men of skill. Badger's paraphrase. But the Bible says time and chance happen to them all. But verse 10 is critical. The Bible says that whatsoever your hands find to do, 
do it as unto the Lord. That means, tr uh, let me put it into a phrase, and I hope this drives it home. Treat the job, the boss, the wife, the husband, the circumstance that you have, the way you would treat the wife, the boss, the circumstance, the job that you would want. And you will realize that time and chance will favor you. Because while you are doing the things in private, God is planning for a moment in public when your sacrifices, your efforts, and your investments will pay off beyond words. Ladies and gentlemen, the last word for today goes to Joshua. We find in Joshua 1 verses 16 to 18 something, and I pray this encourages someone. Joshua after commanding the people, stepping out of his fear, walking in his confidence with God, allowing the word of God to shape his next sect of actions, the Bible says the people he is sent to respond. And they respond in a way that would, you could have knocked him over with a feather because they say exactly what God says. They said, only be strong and of a good courage. We will not only follow you, we will do whatever you say. And anybody who doesn't obey you, we will kill. He said, but listen, may God be with you as he was with Moses. Let me say this as we close it out. Hear me well. As you enter the new, you will realize God will cause your audience to find you. He has already pre-prepared the reception for your gift where you will move from a place where you are tolerated to a place where you are celebrated. And ladies and gentlemen, it behoves me to pause for this moment and then this is how we close. If there's anyone watching today and you're saying, but then how do I prepare? How do I get ready? I don't know the God you're talking about. That's where we start. And the God who loves you has prepared for this moment he said I will go to the cross 2,000 years ago I will leave my blood my name my word and my son there so that when you need me the most when you turn around and ask me to come into your life I will be there and I will be ready and ladies and gentlemen, if that's you, if you don't have a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then I'd ask you to pause for a moment. And I want you to realize that God has prepared you for this moment. And if you do, I would ask you to kindly bow your heads and say a very simple prayer that Jesus, please come into my life. I ask you to come into my life. Come and be Lord of my life. Forgive my sins. And I ask that in, the, that in your name, I become a child of God. And ladies and gentlemen, at the Bible says that when you pray that prayer, then God will cause his preparation to kick in and salvation will come to you. Ladies and gentlemen, my last phrase is this. May God cause all the things that he has planted within you to show up in the new in a way that he has prepared for. May God be kind to you in every way possible because he is faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, may God bless you and may God keep you. In Jesus' name, amen.